Today on Sagittarian Matters, vegan pets, amateur domination, Justin Bieber, comics, and more. With my guest, Gina Weinbrand. Stay tuned. Sagittarian Matters. Sagittarian Matters. What's the Hello from Los Angeles, California. I have turned a year older since the last time you heard my voice on last week's episode, and so now I'm actually significantly wiser and much, much older than you may recall. Uh, Today, I did not show my age because producer Ponyo and I went for a hike and went off the beaten path as we are wont to do, and as always happens, we ended up in a kind of inhospitable, inhumane sort of animal trail that ended up leading us straight up a prickly path um, leading to the observatory at Griffith Park. And we ended up kind of on the other side of the fence of a cliff. And a bunch of families were staring at us as I tried to scramble up. And I literally had to say to them, please stop looking at me. This is very stressful. And please stop whistling at the dog. This is very stressful. Uh... That's what happens when you do not have a sense of a sense of direction, but you do have a sense of excitement and uh, adventure. Okay, that's the life of a Sagittarius, essentially. It's Sagittarius season. Happy birthday, Sagittarians. Here is an advice question. I'm going to answer it on my own. Dear Nicole, long-time listener, first-time caller, I have a dog advice question. As a vegan looking into getting a dog, how do you approach taking care of and feeding your dog? I know certain pets have different needs than humans, and I'd like to give my dog what's best for them while feeling good about what I'm purchasing slash the companies I'm supporting. As someone who hasn't purchased or used any animal products for myself in years, I find myself feeling hesitant or worried I'd be hypocritical walking into a pet store buying food and toys that absolutely come from animals. I'm curious how you've approached this as a vegan and wondering if there are any brands or companies you feel comfortable recommending. I just want to take care of my animal friend without feeling like I'm contributing to another animal friend's hurting. Thanks. Sincerely, Dogged in Dakota. Dear Dogged in Dakota, this is a supreme ethical question for vegans, uh, so much so that I read an entire book about it at some point. Uh, there's a book called Obligate Carnivores, and the cover of it is like a dog food dish with a bunch of tiny plastic animals in it. Um, and this book says essentially that if you are a vegan and you have a pet, you are privileging that animal's life over the life of every other animal that you are purchase- whose body you're purchasing to feed to your pet. So, you know, it's kind of like there's a dog and a chicken and you have a gun and you're shooting the chicken. That's what they're saying. And so I read this book. Um, and another thing it said was, you know, people have the argument that it's unnatural for you to have vegetarian or vegan pets. And they were like, well, very little is natural about their lives right now, actually. Um, You know, very little is natural about your house cat eating a giant tuna that they never would have met because it lives in the ocean. So, you know, if you throw out the idea of what's natural and not, you know, as your dog is wearing a tutu living indoors, um, get, you could get more used to the idea of supplements and synthetic things that can replicate what an animal really needs, you know? So say like a dog was supposed to be a carnivore, a cat was supposed to be a carnivore. They need certain things to live and not go blind and not have kidney failure, et cetera. But you can, for the most part, supplement that with synthetic things. Um, And so then they recommended some vegetarian and vegan dog foods and cat foods and a billion supplements. I thought that was very cool. I tried to buy my dog Beja 
from Fetch, vegan dog food, and she literally barfed. Um, I got her a brand that was kibble, and I got her some cans, and she did not like it, and she literally, she literally barfed. So I had to think about it and make a compromise that she would be a pescatarian. And so I only bought fish-based foods for her because um, it just it's hard for me to buy, you know, food made of chickens or lambs or, you know, anyone like that who I personally know and really like. Um, and so with Ponyo, I do the same for the most part. I try to stick to a pescatarian diet for her. And, um, you know, there's peanut butter treats and there's sweet potato treats and there's all that stuff. You could also make your animals food, which I think could be a good vegetarian solution if you wanted to. Um, and I have had to buy meat. I mean, I'm sorry, like maybe some vegans are going to like firebomb my house. I don't know. I'm sorry, everybody. I have had to buy meat before for my dogs when they had cancer or kidney failure and I didn't want to feed them science diet, which was what was being recommended to me because science diet is baloney. Let me just go off on a tangent here and tell everybody science diet is made of really low quality ingredients, but they pay for textbooks that veterinarians learn from. And so veterinarians who are reading out these textbooks that were sponsored by Science Diet, then learn in the curriculum that Science Diet is the thing they should feed sick animals. Well, guess what? Sometimes Science Diet is even made of sick animals. So look that up. And um, if your animal is having kidney problems or they need a special diet, consider something else. Anyway, um, but I found a lot of power in going to the most possibly humane kind of meat or egg situation I could find. At a certain point, I had my own chickens and they were laying eggs. And of course, nothing would happen to them if they stopped laying eggs. So I would use the eggs to make my dog's food. And so I felt like we had like a nice little cycle going in the home. Um, the chickens weren't being harmed. The dogs weren't having to eat anybody else, but everybody was getting their protein needs met. So long story short, pescatarian. And if you ask, if you go to a really nice pet food store and you ask them um, the best brands, and by best, you mean smallest, um, you know, not owned by a big corporation, small family businesses, small businesses, places where like the word meal is not one of the first ingredients. They can usually tell you who's good, who's small, who's family owned, who hasn't been purchased by, you know, Purina or somebody. And I really recommend that. I do not recommend getting Ye Olden grocery store um, you know, downed animal, ground up meal. Ugh. And it's a terrible choice to have to make. I wouldn't want to have to look at a fish and then feed it to Ponyo. Ponyo is a little fish girl, as you may know from watching the movie. So that's my answer. It is complicated. If you want to read that book, it's called Obligate Carnivores. And um, I think that it's available from a vegan resources website. And that could give you a lot to think about. And I have nothing against vegan pets and I very much support them. And of course, always consult with your veterinarian to make sure your pet's nutritional needs are being met. Thank you for your question. I hope this was helpful, and I hope you have a good week. Now, on with the show. Gina Weinbrandt is a Chicago cartoonist, domination enthusiast and Justin Bieber fan. She's the author of the comics Big Pussy, Someone Please Have Sex With Me, One Less Lonely Girl, and I'm Funnier Than Your Girlfriend and I Have Fewer Sexual Limits. Two anagrams of Gina's name, as listed on her website, are 
Wanna Be Sadly Trying, and Gay Anal by Twin Nerds. She came to our Los Angeles studio to talk about comics, Justin Bieber, and more. Please enjoy my talk with Gina Weinbrandt. Gina Weinbrandt, welcome to Sagittarian Matters. Hello, thank you for having me. You're in Los Angeles, California, sitting upon my couch in uh, Kitchen Stadium, mm-hmm. our studio. Producer Ponyo has her headphones on. She is doing the levels at the board. <laughs> and uh, yeah, what are you here for? I'm here for Cala, Comics Art LA, and um, very excited to meet my West Coast fans and um, hang out. What are you selling at Cala? I'm selling copies of my book, uh, Someone Please Have Sex With Me, some t-shirts I made, and some prints. Um, Mm -hmm. I was going to sell a new zine that I made, but I kind of fucked up the printing, so I'm not selling that. (laughs) Good. Mm -hmm. I just saw something on Instagram where somebody was like, super emergency, we need people to submit to this zine last minute right now. And I was like, a zine is never an emergency. (laughs) It feels like an emergency at the time, because you're like, I have an event coming up, but Mm -hmm. like... Just just paddle it back for a second and take some deep breaths. Exactly. Like, sometimes you fuck it up, and maybe it's meant for you to just let it rest for a second. It, it can't be rushed. It's uh, it's like yeast that's rising right now, and um, it needs to get its proofing, and soon it shall be baked. <laughs> uh, you may not know this about me. Speaking of proofers, mm-hmm. I am a certified sandwich artist from, from Subway. Subway. I'm a... Certified sandwich artist from Jimmy John's. Are you serious? Yes, I worked at Jimmy John's for 13 months. We are both sandwich artists turned comic artists? Yes, (laughs) there's a correlation. (laughs) I never knew. I never would have known. So wait, I want to tell listeners, the first time I saw you, the first time I laid eyes on you, I was like at a comic thing. I don't know. I think it was maybe cake. Mm -hmm. And I was like, who is that person? She has incredible makeup, and she has, like, a Justin Bieber poster on the wall behind her table. And maybe you were wearing a Justin Bieber shirt, or I might be making that part up. But you were selling your comics about being obsessed with JB. Yep, that all checks out. That sounds like <laughs> uh, Cake 2014, I think. And you were you were semi-young then. Yes, I was but a nubile 23 years old at, at that cake. Mm-hmm. Nubile was the word that just <laughs> rang in my head afterwards. <laughs> after you. you know, we literally just interviewed Tilly Walden, and we were talking about how annoying it is for her when people bring up her age, mm-hmm. um, because it's just like, well, why don't you talk about my comics? Mm-hmm. But it was, I was just like, this person, who's this young person who's like, I don't know, who's like bringing up some contemporary pop pop culture <laughs> into the comics world mm-hmm. um okay so you were can you walk us through your at the time obsession with justin bieber i know things have changed sure yeah um i really started getting into justin bieber um right around like my 21st birthday um there are several factors into our torrid love affair that happened um I would say the biggest thing is me just being single for so many years and needing to fill the void uh, with some entity. And Mm -hmm. Justin Bieber is a commercial product meant to be sold to uh, love girls that want romance. (laughs) And I also love, um, like, Twinkie Boys. Mm -hmm. And he is a Twinkie Boy, or was. Now he's a 
Twinkie Man. Yeah. Or, or, yeah. <laughs> but, um, so that was a big factor. Also, I think um, I was in school at the time at the School of the Art Institute and um, kind of feeling very insecure of just like, I'm stupid and I don't belong in art school and whatever. And I'm just going to like run and full speed ahead with this pop culture thing because it'll it'll be something that will make me different at, at art school where everyone likes cool smart things and I'm like I'm just gonna be a dumb bimbo and <laughs> love Justin Bieber and um reclaim my identity in that way oh. <laughs> and so you so in your comic you would just like look him up and you were just like Justin would love me and you were living with your mom in the comic that was happening for real at the time. Correct. And then, did you interact with him? Did you send him your zine or your comics? Does Do you think he knows you exist? How close have you gotten to the cape? I Yeah, after I made my first zine about Justin Bieber, I like made it into a PDF and tweeted at him a bunch of times and t- even tweeted members of his team, like his bodyguard and his videographer and his manager. He gets tweeted at a million times a day, so he he just never responded or noticed, um, unfortunately. Um, so I don't think he knows I exist, but I have seen him twice in concert, so we've been in the same room and breathed the same air, and light particles have bounced off him and hit my eyes. Um, so I think we know each other kind of well now. <laughs> He's in there. He's yeah. in there. Yeah. <laughs> I like I like the I like the strategy of tweeting at his team. Yeah. I think that that is like more likely. Mm-hmm. It's like you tweet at the team, they're getting fewer tweets, you know, most tweens aren't aren't googling that hard. Right. Into the the shit to, you know, um to tweet at like the caterer. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, so I had a pretty good strategy, but I I have I've stopped trying to to get it his way. Um, hopefully organically. My mom always says that, you know, one day I'm going to be a star and we're going to work together as peers. And um, so, fingers crossed. (laughs) (laughs) That is insane to me because I don't even, like, I mean, it just, like... What project would that be where we would be peers on something? It doesn't make sense. But but also, like, (laughs) if he walked in the room right now, I mean, I don't know what you would do. I don't know you that well. But, like, if he actually was in the room with us right now, I think that we would find him probably uninteresting and so, like I just feel like by the time you guys are mm-hmm. equidistant like you are your brain probably works a little bit faster than his no offense mm-hmm. Justin Bieber and so like you would be trying to work with him he'd be like oh what I don't know man what and then would you get frustrated or would that just be part of the appeal yeah um I would love whatever he would do like <laughs> anything would be great but yeah no I mean as my star continues to rise um hopefully his starts to fall a bit and we'll just meet in the middle <laughs> I think that seems possible yeah <laughs> but so are you still into him or do you like somebody else now um no I, I've definitely co- cooled down on I, I'm still I'm gonna be a fan forever but he is not like I don't think about him intensely every day like I used to I like his music and I do always want the best for him and I have a lot of like empathy for him because like there's no way to be a child star and not be fucked up and um you know I'm I'm team Justin always but um I haven't really replaced him with another celebrity. Oh. I think 
like Tom Holland's very cute. <laughs> but I don't I, know who that is. Oh, he's the new Spider Man. Oh. But it's not like he's my my screensaver or anything, but both me and my sister are like, mm, yeah, Tom Holland, he's he's cute. Oh. He's a cute boy. <laughs> was Justin Bieber a bridge for you to then be looking at lesbians? Because I feel like at a point when he was peaking, mm-hmm. all the butch lesbians I knew know are kind of, you know, gay man adjacent lesbians I knew were like Justin Bieber. Like there just was like a lot of crossover appeal. Yeah, no, I, I do. I did like that, that Tumblr uh, lesbians that look like Justin Bieber. But that's always been a theme in my life where I'm like, wow, who's that cute hip boy? And I'm like, oh, that's just a mom with short hair. Like, uh, <laughs> Well, there's a curse that a lot of lesbians I know have. Lesbians I know who are attracted to butch people, mm-hmm. which is where you will you will think you're seeing a really hot butch walking down the mm. street and your like neck will turn around like an owl and then you'll realize that you're clocking like a 12-year-old boy. <laughs> and you're like, so- sorry, sorry. Like just <laughs> yeah. being in the grocery store, it'd be like, sorry, ma'am. When you find out like you're staring at someone's son and you're like, I thought that was like a hot 40-year-old woman. Yeah, yeah I can relate. It sucks. You just got to like... I'll just keep squinting and pretend that it's not a child. Well, one of my friends had this idea, this thing called Butch Blinders, which was like if she was somewhere like maybe on a road trip in the Midwest, somewhere where there were lesbians were scant. uh, She was a femme lesbian cruising for butch people. She would just like if she saw a cute guy, she would just pretend like it was a butch. Not a a child necessarily, like like just like a guy. Mm -hmm. She just pretend like it was a butch. She wouldn't do anything, but Mm -hmm. it just would make her feel better to be in the world. Sure. Makes sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so you your trajectory is you were in art school. You were like, I'm going hard on the pop culture thing. Mm-hmm. And did it work? Uh, no, people were still like, I mean, well, like having my work like crit in, in a critique in art school, um, sometimes people are like, yeah, I don't like just like it would really put people off of to be about Justin Bieber because you know, in 2011, or at the beginning of his career, it was so cool to, to hate him. Mm-hmm. But if they actually took the time to read the comic, they're like, you know what, I don't like Justin Bieber, but I'm rooting for you, Gina. And oh. I'm like, thank you, peer. Yeah. <laughs> but then you did well in comics. Yeah. Um, I mean, he was my muse. I feel like I can attribute... I, I, I need an, a new muse, but um, really I can attribute so much of my success to to Justin for inspiring me to tell my stories. I can't wait for him to read your comic or for you to find out that he's read your comic. I don't think he would like it. I just want him to know I exist. He doesn't have to like it, but like, I know his sense of humor, like his favorite show is Family Guy and you know, he, he likes very (laughs) broad humor (laughs) and, um, but he also loves all of his fans, which I am one, so he has to love me. <laughs> he, does, he, he does love you in a very special way. Mm-hmm. You, well, you already love him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, your book is called Someone Please Have Sex With Me. So you write a lot about, like, what do you write about? You write about, like, desperation? Yes. I don't like Like, you're, like, lounging around. You're like, please. Mm-hmm. I really love, do you have a comic? Is it a comic or what is it? It's called, like... I'm funnier than your girlfriend and I have fewer sexual boundaries. Yes. Did I? Yeah. I'm funnier than your girlfriend and I have fewer sexual limits, colon, let me make my case. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was like a, a one-page comic I did for Lumpen Magazine. But um, I don't know. I think because I've just always been like 
ever since, you know, puberty and even before then, just, like, obsessed with boys and wanting to, like, experience kissing and sex and stuff. But uh, growing up, like, guys never had crushes on me and stuff. And I'm a bit shy, so kind of when I got into comics, I'm like, I'll try the strategy. Maybe they just don't know I'm sexual and maybe they just don't know that I that they could approach me like that. So I'll just write this very direct plea to show how cool and sexy I am and then guys will come along and um um st- still waiting <laughs> you know I can, is that true people but I feel like you probably have gotten attention for some gross comics yeah guys. yeah there there's been a couple propositions that I've had I, I can't yeah it's there hasn't been nothing but what I really want is like someone who looks at like I don't know now I kind of want to have like a relationship with someone not just like there have been guys who are like oh I will fuck you and I'm like oh okay, oh yeah okay like <laughs> I mean yeah uh, I'm I'm a girl I know that you will probably have sex with anyone that I, I realize that's not as the compliment that I thought it was going to be <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. yeah at a certain point you're like wait Panya Panya like eating pencil shavings oh. or something. But where do you... I ask people this, and I think about this as a memoirist. By the way, I feel... I have... It's somewhere in one of my journals I have. I wrote... I was like, I want to write really honest comics like Gina does. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, I have diaried about your comics. I was like, I wish I could be as free and honest <laughs> and truthful as Gina in my comics. As <laughs> if... You. You're welcome. I just... But so where do you end and your character begins? Like, how are you different than your character? Because it is a character. It is, like, you, like, editing and kind of putting out this... Yeah, I feel like it's me, but it's, like, the worst version of me. And kind of committing it to paper uh, separates it from myself and shows, like, okay, so there is a part of me that is this desperate, crazy character. But when I isolated in a comic it kind of makes me um have power over it and to be like oh i know now that there's more to me than just you know being a horny freak you know but (laughs) but i don't know I, i think it was also it's very therapeutic too to just be like making this crazy person and if you know since people respond well to it it's like oh People like the worst version of me. I guess I'm like, you know, I'm okay, you know. <laughs> all, going all only up from there. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I mean, not to be like, a, not to just like, not to be a weird program person, but there's that saying that you're only as sick as your secrets, and it's mm-hmm. kind of like the worst things about a person. Like, if you don't tell anyone, you just get wrapped up in your own shame and like, mm-hmm. kind of like piece of shit in the center of the universe kind of thing about it. And you're mm-hmm. just like, I'm the worst person. No one would ever love me. It's actually impossible. Yes. Then yeah. that's totally different than being like, here's this thing. And then I'm saying it out loud and then we can all laugh about it and I can put it in perspective and be like, eh, that's like not really. Exactly. But not to say, I don't mean to use the word desperation. I don't know if that's like. No, I, I am. I always think of desperation when I'm, I'm doing my work because I feel so desperate. I mean, compared to like, my other, like, girlfriends and guy friends, I feel like no one is so thirsty like I am, or I don't know. Or just also, when I got into reading comics, I really liked um, male authors like Chester Brown and, like, Jeffrey Brown. I'm and, sticking my tongue yeah. out right now. <laughs> but I'm like, wow, I didn't know you could be so honest, or blah, blah, blah. And I, like, related to it to a certain extent, because I'm like, oh, look at these 
perverts. I relate. Mm-hmm. But then I'm like, I want to see this from my own perspective or like what's the there's there's not enough female perverts out there (laughs) thank you for being an out and proud female pervert (laughs) like i wanted to fucking kill myself like the idea of if you were just like the only pervert you can read the perspective of is chester brown i would be like can you help me put this gun in my mouth because i can't live any longer but just i mean your work being out there and you having sexual agency you know Mm -hmm. is so valuable thank you i really appreciate it um I'm also, while we're doing this, I'm looking at producer Ponyo, who went to the groomer today to get a flea and anal gland situation done, done and she seems like her skin is very irritated. Uh, I don't know if that'll make the final cut into the podcast, but she's looking a little red. Did they abuse you, Ponyo? What did she, they do to you? She looks like she's... She looks red and raw. <sighs> but she's enjoying all this attention that we're giving her. She looks like she's smiling right now because you're petting her tummy. Oh, she looks partially like roadkill and partially like she's smiling to me. Like like when you see like a possum on the side of the road, it's like it's smiling like that. Um, okay, so speaking of being a pervert, something that we talked about at length at a cartoonist wedding we were both at was financial domination, mm-hmm. which is also called FinDom. So for people who don't know, can you explain what FinDom is? Um, I'm, I'm not an expert on FinDom, but it, it, it is something I am interested in. And it's basically, you know, part of BDSM where, um, the, the Fin sub gets off on, you know, being financially drained and, you know, being humiliated by giving money to his Dom and he, he gets off on that. And, um... It rules. <laughs> and like some of the hashtags are hashtag fuck you pay me, mm-hmm. hashtag human ATM, yep. pay pig, mm-hmm. human wallet, uh, wallet rinse, wallet rinse, yep. Um, I'm, yeah, I'm blanking on the good hashtags, but yeah. But so have you, I, I half heartedly tried to start a Twitter account with this in mind, but I felt like at a certain point I wasn't committed enough and I realized that this is a job mm-hmm. that like. You know, like dominatrixes are like, it's like a job and they really, they take pride in it and they like do a lot of things and networking. And, and I'm just like, I'm just a hobbyist. I was just dabbling, trying to be like, just someone give me some money. Yeah. Which is fair to want because, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I follow like a couple um, more legitimate uh, doms on uh, Twitter and stuff. And yeah, some of their lingo for people like us is an insta dom who is oh. like, yeah, just like, uh, I'll just add hashtag findom to something and see if like some bucks get thrown my way. And that's me. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Which I've done too. But uh, yeah, it's true that like it is so much more complicated than that. And the really good ones are the ones who are like really good at being just, you know, doms in general and um you know are basically psychologists like they know like what this is tapping into for their for their fin subs um so i do have a lot of respect for um the people that are really good at it but i mean i don't know how it happened but i did pull it off a couple of times where i was just like uh yeah i'm a fin dom give me money and like um there was a guy who gave me a hundred dollars on amazon um and but i did show him my feet so it's not actually finned on proper because he did get something in return <laughs> but did you have to say like you suck 
Yeah, yeah, I was like, you're pathetic, you little worm. God, you know, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I just was, like, wishing I could... I was like... Because people would write me and they'd be like, how do you do your wallet rinsing? Mm-hmm. And I was like, fuck. And I have to, like, Google exactly. it. And be like, what yeah. do I say? I, I just, like, didn't quite know the right mm-hmm. arrangement of words. Like, I have the spirit to mm-hmm. be like, you are a gross person. Give me your money. Mm-hmm. I should have it and you should not. Yeah. Which is like the gen- like the excitement thing for them, but I just mm-hmm. I couldn't find the right words. I couldn't be cold enough in the moment, you know. Which is really it's really hard to like be cold in my day to day life, and then at the exact moment when I need to be, I'm like my manners override happens, and I'm like, what do I do? Mm-hmm. It's an art. It's it's a craft, and I think you know the two of us will eventually can get there, but it will take some work. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, and I have to say, like, I just have the utmost respect for sex workers. And so at a certain point, mm-hmm. it felt like there was something, like, weird about me just being like, I'm just going to pick up this trade. Yeah. That's, like, actually people's job that they're exactly. very good at, like you were saying. Like, they're psychologists. Like, for yeah. me, like, I'm just going to be mean to someone. Yeah. Like, it's mm-hmm. different than somebody who's, right. like, made an investment and understands more than yeah. I do. Um, but so you got that. And also... You have gotten your house cleaned. Yes. Can we talk about that? Yes, we can talk about my house cleaner. Um, yeah, uh, with the Findom thing, I don't know, since I'm so, like, um, unsuccessful romantically, I um, have been channeling my, more of my energy into to trying to dominate men. Not, I don't know. <laughs> Not like I hate men, but it is therapeutic to yell at them and tell them what to do. <laughs> so I placed an ad on Craigslist a couple months ago asking for a, guy, a submissive man to clean my place. And um, uh, some guys responded positively. A lot of guys replied, like, what's wrong with you? Like, a woman is supposed to clean and blah, blah, blah. Really? Yeah. <laughs> well, because it's on Craigslist, so, of course, it's just a lot of weirdos and stuff. But, um, yeah, I got this guy to come over and clean my place, and it was fantastic, and I loved every minute of it. And he was wearing pink panties that I gave him, and I had to spank him, and, like, he rubbed my feet afterwards. It was so great. Also, he had this, like, a really evil job. Like, it's all about, like, putting money offshore and stuff. So I'm like, oh, I'm, like, helping make the world a better place by um, punishing this guy who has this horrible, um, like, very capitalistic job. <laughs> Did he pay you to clean your house? No. I... I, I I, I feel like I got more out of it than, than he did. <laughs> oh, my God. I love so So did you have the panties ready? Was that negotiated or you just had them around? That was actually for a different sub that I had, like, over. This, uh, this was a different guy who had, like, contacted me on Instagram and was like, can I be your slave? And I'm like, mm, okay, I've never done this before, but trying to work with him but didn't really work out because he was like 20 years old and also like Mm -hmm. a church leader and like wanted things really extreme but has no experience and he's like i have no hard limits at all except vaginal penetration because i'm a virgin and a christian so like it was just like not good and he would always get like freaked out but i had those pink panties left over and they fit my new sub and i washed them so it's fine (laughs) and then has he cleaned your house since or do you want him to yeah, um, he's he's come over twice, and both times were great, and I would love for him to do it again, um, but, and he, we'll text, he actually texted me yesterday and said, um, 
Hi, princess. I was just thinking about your feet and wanted to say hi. <laughs> Do you have like a nice manicure or something? Pedicure? Pedicure? Uh, not right now, but I. I do try to you know tidy them up a bit if a, if a man is gonna put them in his mouth <laughs> oh, you put them in his mouth yeah, i love that i i love getting my toes sucked by <laughs> it's it's so degrading and you're fun. very generous to I, let them do that that's well, really nice they don't do anything above the knee so yeah, yeah. yeah it's great i love it it's like you little freak yeah suck my toes bitch <laughs> you're so good at this yeah. like you're just freestyling <laughs> <laughs> well, I really, I really admire you and I admire this, like, you know, this thing that you can do, this it's, magic power you use. It's fun. I mean, I'm probably never going to have a boyfriend and die alone, but I yeah, am having I mean, fun. And likely. Because yeah. <laughs> how old are you now? Like 26, 27? Yeah, it's over. That's pretty much, <laughs> yeah. that's pretty much it. What's a life expectancy yeah. for a person yeah. nowadays? Like 28? Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's done. It's done for you. Yeah. So it's fun. I, I enjoy it. And, um... I think, you know, female supremacy is the way of the future and all men are subs at their hearts. <laughs> Just, is it wrong for me to wish for you to have some kind of masculine queer person come into your life to be your person mm-hmm. and then you can do all this and make a bunch of money doing it so then your comics can be whatever you want them to be without any money <laughs> attached to them? I would love that. Please okay. please send this person that my way. <laughs> okay, so if someone is like queer and somewhat masculine and they want to get with you or if somebody is a cisgendered man who needs put in his place how do they contact you um email me at winbrandt.gina at gmail or follow me on twitter at uh g winber and or you know come to my address in chicago Uh, i live by molly's cupcakes on clark just find me (laughs) to be a Seinfeld, but have you ever noticed that I never try to sell you Blue Apron on the podcast, or that we do not disparage and bemoan trips to the post office in favor of Stamps.com? Well, it is because we have no advertisers, zero. Producer Chris, producer Ponyo, and myself do this out of the goodness of our hearts, because we like it. If you would like to tip producer Chris Sutton, who dedicates hours to this series every week, Please, 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 please send your tip of $5, $10, who knows how much. That's your business via PayPal to hornetleg at gmail.com. That is hornet, like the insect, leg, like one of his appendages, at gmail.com. If you do this, we will read your name on the podcast. Isn't that exciting? We may have advertisers someday and we'll rant and rave about free sex toys and mattresses and blue apron and whatever but in the meantime thank you we appreciate your support and i look forward to saying your name on the podcast producer ponyo looks forward to it too that was ponyo's voice don't be scared bye thank you this week to shoshana ruth wechter and mary pinson what do you think it's like to date a cartoonist Oh, I don't know. Probably bad. Like, <laughs> I've I feel I've felt insecure about like because in Chicago I'm like very or you know pretty involved in the the comic scene and I lo- know a lot of cartoonists. So I'm like, why does no one want to be in a power couple with me? Uh, and getting upset about that. But now I'm like, mm, a lot of cartoonists are like insecure and shy and sad and whatever. And 
maybe I need like a, a normie to, to balance me out or like a non-artist maybe or a non-cartoonist um, to uh, absorb all of my neurosis and shit. <laughs> I see, I see. Have I, you dated a cartoonist? No. I never have. But the genesis of this, this question, I ask everybody this or I tried to, all the cartoonists. A long time ago, this guy in Portland who had dated two different cartoonist women in a row was going to be my roommate and he was trying to like confide in me and he was like, I can't do it anymore. I can't date another cartoonist. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what? What does that mean? What does it mean to date a cartoonist? Mm-hmm. Like, why? What? And so then I've been, at, I've been, I was trying to get to the bottom of this. Through the podcast, I've kind of discovered that cartoonists, it seems like we're impoverished workaholics. Oh, okay, yeah, that's it's true. what we've, dis- what yeah. I've discovered. But I'm curious to know everyone's, because some people just are cartoonists, they're like, here's what it's like to date me. Yeah. Or they have dated other cartoonists, mm-hmm. and they're like, here's what it's like. Yeah. Well, I also can say that I uh, was trying to set up a NSA hookup via the internet, and I did not tell him, like, what I do or anything like that, but he wanted my Snapchat name, and then he, like, Googled my Snapchat name and found out about me and found out about my book, and he's, like, didn't want to meet me because I'm too much of a public figure or something or he was probably afraid that i was going to write about him and i'm like bitch no one is interesting enough to be written about like your your dick is probably gonna suck like why why do you think you you're interesting enough for my book (laughs) it's really things have to be pretty extreme to end up in a comic yeah because it's gonna take you so many hours to draw it exactly that you don't have time to draw about Mm -hmm. every person who talks to you yeah and i know Male ego. You know? mm-hmm. I, I also find it's it's very weird being an autobiographical... This we share in common. Mm-hmm. It's very challenging being an autobiographical cartoonist and then having strangers, like, from internet dating or whatever, Google you. And then all of a sudden, like, the scales have tipped. And it's not that you're both two strangers meeting each other not knowing anything. Right. It's, like, weighted where one person knows probably more about you than they would know. Mm-hmm. If you, you know, you, maybe you've been dating for like a couple of months and they know all this stuff, but they just Googled you. And so within like an hour, they know a lot about you. Yeah. They know, uh, yeah, everything about you, all of the bad things. And they can also like read interviews with you and stuff like that. Even stuff that you didn't create. Um, which is cool, I guess if, cause then I'm like, "Mm, I'm a celebrity, you know, (laughs) but, um, also, yeah, then you don't know anything about them. It's not equal. Yeah. But I, I do think with the right person, if they Googled you, you know, like if I was some dude and I Googled you and I saw your drawings, I'd be like, fuck yeah. I would be like a little scared you would write about me. Mm-hmm. But then I would be like, but she's like, this person seems cool. Mm-hmm. That's what I, you know. Thanks, Nicole. No problem. No problem. <laughs> All right. What else do we have to talk about? Well, I want to know, is there anything you would not write about? So you've, like, written about your sex life mm-hmm. or masturbation life or mm-hmm. fantasy life yeah. or, you know, all that stuff. Is there anything that's, like, off limits or that you're like, this is mine? Um, I probably wouldn't write about, like, my family or something. Um, someone asked me on Curious Cat recently if I would write about my job, which uh, I work with at my uncle's auto shop. You do? Yeah. Uh, oh I've been working there for three years. Uh, work not working on cars, just working in the office. Um, but like, I am so grateful to have that job and like love my family. Um, so uh, I don't know. I don't. 
uh, I don't want to get them involved in my <laughs> desperate comics and stuff. Or, um, yeah, I probably wouldn't wouldn't write about that. Everything else, sure, why not? I'll write about whatever. <laughs> Wait, I love that you have a job. Yeah, I work full time from eight thirty to five, five days a week um, at the car shop. It's pretty cool. Um, I like having a consistent job. For a while, I was kind of middling or something where I'm like, I'm just doing this in the meantime, and eventually I'm going to be, like, freelancing more and blah, blah, blah. But it's like, I actually like having a regular day job and then just doing the work that I want to do when my time off, because I really don't enjoy doing, like, commissions and stuff like that. I feel like I suck at them, or it's not... It's not for me, so I love my I love working at the, the auto shop. I love that. Well, because you know, I I teach, and I feel like students often. I mean, part of the reason I even do this podcast is because I found myself having these conversations with other artists that I was like, I, I wish that my students could hear this, or mm-hmm. I wish that other people could hear this. And mm-hmm. you know, I think for students sometimes. Um, when there's no transparency, they just imagine that somebody can put out one good book and then continue to just get money from that, and then that's their yeah. life and job. Right. But the reality is, is that as a cartoonist, like the money you get back is very little, yeah. and it, or it's not. It's in fits and starts, mm-hmm. so it's not enough for you to be like a secure, a financially secure person. Yeah. And so every cartoonist has a job, whether it's like teaching or doing commissions, mm-hmm. or you know, just having like a different day job that you don't know about or having a trust fund. Like, yeah, (laughs) it's very rare that a cartoonist just gets to make like the four books that you've seen of theirs. And then that's it. Yeah. So, um, definitely that was kind of hard to, uh, realize like when I graduated from school where I was like, asked my comics teacher, Jeremy Tinder, like, Hey, so, how do I get a job now? And he like laughed in my face. Like, I don't know. Like, (laughs) he's like, I have this job. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So it's like, yeah, so many cartoonists in Chicago, like our teachers or, you know, work at the button store and, (laughs) or Quimby's, you know, Mm got to do something. Yeah. And it frees up your art. So then you can make your art without being like, I have to make something that enough people like Mm -hmm. that. Then I can pay my rent. Yes. Yeah, so you I can take chances. Yeah, I I like that a lot too. Um to just do whatever the fuck I want. <laughs> do you have advice for young cartoonists? Mm. What is your advice? What is the most, what are the most valuable things either people have told you or that you have done for yourself? I think um starting out the the best thing to do is to um first of all trust your taste and trust yourself um you uh you if you like comics you probably will be good at them eventually you just have to keep doing them and trust that you will be good um <laughs> that's very big um but uh the second thing is to just work on finding your audience like i um as soon as i started I I didn't I know like a lot of my like friends and other people are good at promoting their work online and stuff but I uh went like a different way where I just tried to get my stuff sold at different consignment shops and tried to table at Zine Fest and stuff as soon as I could and would just try to get it into as many hands as possible 
Um, at first, I was like selling them at cost and not trying to make any money because I'm just like I want people to see it and read it and you know want people to like it. <laughs> so um, just getting as many eyes on it as possible, doing whatever you have to, I think was really important for me. And is that's how eventually I like found my publisher and so stuff like that. Yeah. What are you working on now? What is next? Um, Right now, what I'm actually working on is doing uh, the lettering for um, my book to be translated into Norwegian. So I'm excited about that. That will come out next year. And uh, I just um, I had had a new zine for Cab uh, last month, but I want to kind of rework it a little bit before I like put it in my shop. And then what is the zine? What is it about? It's called Thank You, and it's um, basically a like uh, me just speaking to the reader, begging them to buy uh, the zine and explaining that I need uh, the money so I can uh, have a male escort for a boyfriend experience um, or else I'll die. <laughs> is it true? Yes. <laughs> Are you putting all the money from the zine into your male escort account? Um, yeah, I will be. I, I didn't <laughs> at Cala. That was false advertising, I guess. But no, I really want to because <laughs> I just want like romantic attention, even if it's like someone like who's pretending. I just feel like I'm going to die because I haven't had a boyfriend as an adult and I just want it. So please give me money so I can have it. <laughs> Would you ever start like a GoFundMe kind of thing where it was like, okay, I need this much money. Like, I mm-hmm. actually, I don't know how much a male escort costs. Like, a boyfriend I experience? It, I break, a BFE? I break down costs in the zine. You do? Yeah. And um, I put, so, most male escorts that are listed on cowboysforangels.com, one of the premier gigolo uh, companies, um, they're usually at about, uh, I forget off the top of my head, like $600 for two hours or something. Hmm. Um and but then I also had the cost of one night at the embassy suites is like two hundred dollars plus. Um, oh, I'm gonna give him you know like a two hundred dollar tip because yeah, I was wondering about touch, the tip. Yeah, I'm giving you know like you have to touch what me. <laughs> give me a break. Give me a break. No, but <laughs> I know just because they're doing yeah. a good job. Yeah. But um. So yeah, I was thinking like I would love to do a GoFundMe, but I would you know I don't want I. F- I, I'm pretty open, but I do try a little bit to protect my family from, yeah. like, <laughs> my foolishness. Also, it would be wedged yeah. between someone's, like, cancer fund and, like, the fire burned down <laughs> yeah. our home. And then you're like, yes. please give me a girlfriend experience yes. one night at the Embassy Suites. Exactly. So that's why I was like, oh, I can do it with the zine and have it be a little more covert. And, um, yeah, hopefully it will happen. Please, dear God, take over the narrative of John's from Chester Brown. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I want. I'm, I'm going to be the American Chester Brown. <laughs> kind of, when I started my podcast, mm-hmm. I, you know, and it's it's not at that level, which is, but I was just like, Mark Maron, I'm coming for you. Mm-hmm. Just because, like, I was listening to Mark Maron's podcast all the time, and I was like, ugh. Because it was like men talking mm-hmm. to men about men, and he just was like, who are your guys? Who's your guys? Yeah. He's that's such a man, like, mm-hmm. I mean, I can't even imagine, like. Him talking to um, Andy Samberg and being like, he's like, yeah, my girlfriend's Joanna Newsom. He's like, who's that? 
Really? Or him, when he finally had Joanna Newsom on the show, he just couldn't stop talking about men that had been in her backing band that did a good job on different records. And I was like, what are you doing? And then he had Phil Alvarum on the show, which I listened to, and I was like, oh, Phil's, you know, so special, and his record's so special. And, you know, Mark Maron's like, okay, records, what's that? Oh, I heard there's some women on that. And I was just like, I just can't. So I was like, I want to start a podcast that is like, the antithesis of that, Perfect. but is also like an artist having other artists in mm-hmm. conversation, in long form conversation, but without it being that like alter to the phallus. And with uh, a dog instead of cats. Yes. <laughs> Ponyo lives. <laughs> Basically. But so, yes, please take over the reign of Chester Brown. Would love to. Would love nothing more than that. Sagittarian Matters is produced by Chris Sutton, with assistance by Ponyo Georges. Our theme music is composed by Carolyn Pennypacker Riggs of the band Bouquet. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you next time.